Wake in the first service, and um, I was thinking if there's people that you don't know, they probably go to first service and are just running late. So uh, introduce yourself to them. They probably go to church here to a different service. So good to have everybody here today. Uh, it's my privilege to be able to receive the tithes and offerings. Pastor Kent is in Africa right now uh, visiting our church in Burkina Faso, and uh, they dedicated a, a new church yesterday, I think. And then uh, this morning, Pastor Bill Welch uh, preached in the service there in, in Zone 1, and then they baptized, I think, 59 people people I saw. So looks like they're having a great time of ministry uh, in Burkina Faso. And so keep Pastor Kent in your prayers. Uh, they start traveling back this week and um, him and uh, Dave Kuyper and Bill Welch. So keep them in your prayers this week. Thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Has God been good to your finances? Yeah. I know uh, he's been good in ours, and it's fun to see God's hand, you know, the different dreams that we have, different things that are in our heart. Uh, God always provides the resources for those, and so it's fun to see him be faithful. So let's go ahead and pray, and then the ushers will receive the offering. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and our resources. Thank you for uh, all that you provide and the things that we don't need sometimes that are just make life more fun. We appreciate that and the gift that that is to us. God, I thank you for the people in our assembly and their, their faithfulness in giving. Lord, I pray that you'll bless their resources. Father, there might be people here today who are thinking of uh, buying or selling an asset. Lord, we know that you give wisdom for all of these decisions. And so, Father, whatever decisions our assembly might be making this week in the area of their resources, we pray that you'll give them wisdom for that. Lord, I pray for the businesses that are represented in our church, God. I pray that you'll make the businesses more successful. Father, I pray that you'll make our, our people in their companies more successful there, God. Help them to be, help their company to see the value of having a Christian in their place of, of work. So, God, I pray the blessing on all of the people as they work and, and do their stuff this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, the first service was kind of dead because I think everybody lost. They were feeling that extra hour of sleep that they lost. So I thought I would try to liven this up. And if you don't like these jokes, just blame Carson Crest because he approved them. So um, anyway, we'll start with the first one. Uh, boycott Daylight Savings Time. Dude, the protest march ended an hour ago. So... Some of you guys maybe felt that way this morning coming to church. And then uh, Stonehenge, this is how they, or no, this is a sundial. Okay, so it's right now, but what happens when the clocks go forward? So they're trying to figure out what to do with the stone for, nobody got that one. Okay, we'll move on. So next time, why can't we just spring forward an hour on a Friday afternoon instead? Anybody in favor of that? Like maybe four o'clock or something, we'd go forward. And then, uh, this is my sentiment. The hour we lose this weekend was the one when I was planning to go to the gym. So, it's been the story of my life lately. The only upside of daylight savings time is the clock in my car will finally be right again. So, anybody else have trouble getting their clocks set? All right, we'll move on. Um, this morning we get to hear from Pastor Howard. Uh, Howard Hansen has been at MCA longer than I have, which is, uh, saying something, and he's one of the few people that has the uh, the privilege of having been kicked out of our school by my dad. So um, this just goes to show that there's hope. So no matter where you're at in life, there's hope for you. And uh, anyway, Howard does a great job at MCA. He's our operations director. He he runs all the facilities, keeps our parking lot cleared in the winter time, keeps all the facilities in shape. And so we don't get to do this very often. So everybody stand and give Howard a hand for all that he does. He's a great blessing. Thanks, Howard. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. 
Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I was the first to be kicked out of MCS school. <laughs> I was the first male in MCS school and the first to be kicked out. How do you like that? And Gary Don Cox, my six foot seven friend, you, he followed me closely. He was the second to be kicked out and he turned out okay. So there we go. Yeah. So, uh, little tidbits of information you did not really care about. Uh, let's see. Today, um, we're going to be uh, discussing the aroma of Christ. Um, the, t- the title for this message is The Aroma of Christ, and this is actually part two of a three-part, uh, I think a three-part uh, message. haven't gotten to part three yet, but uh, um, part two, I have a subtitle for it. Uh, the subtitle is Cover-Ups Don't Work, and that's in relationship to the aroma of Christ in our lives. Cover-Ups don't work. Lord God, I just ask that you would bring the words that you have for people, Lord, today. Uh, God, I ask that your spirit uh, would transform the mess that I make of this message and that you would uh, make it alive in people's hearts as only you do. And God, I ask that your your voice would be heard today instead of mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So two weeks ago uh, today in this service, uh, Brian was speaking actually, um, and uh, Brian spoke on the topic of surrendering to God, and that was a great, how many of you guys were here for that message? It was a really enjoyable message for me, I, I really uh, enjoyed it a lot. Uh, he had three basic points uh, in that message, the first one was surrender to God, uh, as it states in the, in the title. The second was, follow his commands. And the third point was, when God calls, say yes. And uh, so those are great points. And I, I still have that in my, um, in my being and in my thoughts and in my... Um, I, I'm carrying that. Over the last couple of weeks, Brian, I appreciate that message that you brought. And I, uh, my spirit has benefited from that. And... Um, and it actually, uh, two weeks ago uh, this evening, uh, I brought the first part of this message um, of the aroma of Christ. Uh, the first part of the message, part one, was notice your own stink. Um, and so the, I, I tend to be a little less refined than Brian. I apologize in advance for that. Um, but uh, uh, I, I, yeah, the, the, um, the, the topic, the central topic is the aroma of Christ, and part one was notice your own stink. In that, in that message, we uh, discussed, well, let's see, we introduced the topic of the aroma of Christ and begin with part one. We discussed how certain foods, uh, for instance, brownies, anybody, uh, was anybody here Sunday night two weeks ago remember brownies? Uh, yeah, if you were here, you would remember, uh, because that was kind of memorable, um, yeah, uh, we, we talked about how certain foods, such as brownies, have a very, a very distinct aroma or smell to them, right? So when, when anybody, even if they're not good at it, almost anybody who cooks brownies, uh, I, I can tell when they're cooking brownies because it's got a very, very specific uh, odor or aroma to it. Isn't that true? Um, for me, it is. Um, or also, we talked about places, how, how there are different places that have very distinct aromas, like an orange grove. Um, if you go into an orange grove, it's got a very distinct, you know you're in an orange grove, you just know, um, because it's a citrusy, but it's not a lemon citrus, it's an orange citrus smell that permeates, if you've ever been on the Disney's uh, 
uh, ride in in uh, Soren. Uh, that's a it's a really cool ride, and they've got a they do they use an odor to enhance the experience of hang gliding over. Uh, California, and you go over through it, or kind of over an orange grove, and they they spray the scent into the air, and it just really brings it to life. Very distinctive odor. Animals can also have very distinctive odors. Uh, for instance, a skunk. Uh, um, there are skunks. You you know you kind of know when a skunk's around, even if you don't see him, if he's been unhappy at least. And uh, and so skunks can, uh, or animals of all sorts, can can have very distinctive odors. Uh, in that message, we also talked about even people uh, can have very distinctive uh, smells, and uh, that's true. Um, you know, some people just, they they smell the same, and you just recognize their scent, and that can be good or that can be bad, but uh, but it's, it's true. We also mentioned uh, that there's a sweet and pure aroma of Christ that we as Christians uh, want to carry, and that we do carry, actually, um, Sometimes it's a little harder to to pick that scent up than others, and we're, that's kind of what we're really talking about. But but the aroma of Christ is a it's a fresh, sweet uh, scent that is beautiful. It is um, astoundingly beautiful. It is beyond anything else uh, in in beauty and in it's, it's what you want to carry uh, with you is the aroma of Christ, and so. Um, we also, uh, two weeks ago, talked about in Paul's letters to the Corinthians, uh, to the people in, in the church at Corinth or uh, the believers at Corinth, um, he addressed them in both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And in doing so, part of what he did was he corrected them regarding things like bickering and arguing and being petty, as well as mentioning that uh, in that in the message, we also said, that odors caused by actions like these, bickering and arguing and being petty, uh, things like that can overpower the true aroma of Christ that we as Christians should have. And how, and that's therefore smell your own stink, right? We, we want to recognize when we have odors that are offensive and that, that, are, that stink, that, that are overpowering the aroma of Christ in our life so we can eliminate them, of course, right? And uh, so... Um, today, I'd like to explore how our actions, and when I talk about our actions, in this case, I'm, I'm really talking about even neutral and, and good actions, things that are actually good, uh, sometimes introduce perfumes or scents, other scents, that can cover up that wonderful aroma of Christ in our lives. In our lives, so I want to start with um, Brian. Had some great humor there. Thank you, Brian. It's a it's a good day to do multiple uh, jokes because it helps wake the system up. And today, of all days, we need that. Speaking for myself, there, uh, I, I've got a commercial for you, and I think many of you have probably seen this or one with the same product in it. But let's start with the Febreze commercial, and let's just take a look at this for a second. The only thing worse than having your home smell like fish is having it smell like fish <laughs> and flowers. Yeah. Unlike other air fresheners, Febreze Air Effects doesn't just mix with odors in the air. It eliminates them, leaving the air clean and fresh. Febreze, it's that fresh. 
Visit AirFX.com for money-saving coupons. Money-saving coupons. How many of you guys have seen that particular commercial before? And how many of you see, have seen other Febreze commercials? Probably a lot of you have. Yeah. So I, I like those. They're humorous. They're fun. Uh, they're in many ways, I think they're very accurate. Um, I, you know, we in the commercial it talks about the odor of fish, which is kind of what we talked about two weeks ago with odors that stink in our lives that we need to recognize those odors. But but Febreze is advocating that you don't just cover up the odor, but that you eliminate the odor. Now, I'm not claiming in any way, shape, or form that Febreze can do that. I'm not uh, really trying to address whether or not their capacity to do that as a product. What I am trying to say is that it makes a good point. Uh, we can take, we can take um, sometimes the uh, scents or odors that we produce um, in our lives can be something that covers up other scents in our lives, right? And so that's kind of where we're at today. Um, hopefully, we all want to smell good. Uh, I think that, uh, in general, I think that's true of all of you. You want to smell good, right? Taking a bath is a good thing, right? Uh, how, many, how, many, how many are happy your neighbor took a bath, right? Yeah, me, for sure. Yeah. And, and I did take a bath, so if I was your neighbor, I'd be okay today. Uh, but taking a bath is good. We, we like that. That's, that's, uh, it's, it's polite to take a bath, right? In addition to feeling clean and all the other benefits, it's, it's a polite thing. Uh, body odor, halitosis. That's, I'm sorry, Justin, this here. Got it slipping off. Okay, body odor and halitosis. Uh, halitosis is bad breath, right? Extreme bad. It's a, uh, you, if you have halitosis, you have usually frequently a, a pretty bad case of bad breath. And it's common, and uh, there are ways to mitigate that. But body odor and halitosis and, uh, and other offensive smells, which I won't mention, are not desirable, right? Uh, we all know that, right? So you don't really, when you're, when you're chatting with your friend, if they've got a pretty bad case of halitosis and they forgot to pop a breath mint or something, Sometimes you're like, okay, let's get this conversation done with, right? You know, and that, and that's, uh, it can motivate you to be short, you know. Uh, so it is a positive thing to want to smell good. We, I, I think most of us want to. It also, it makes us unpleasant or at least non, uh, it, excuse me, it makes us pleasant or at least non-offensive to others when we, when we associate, that we associate with. So, Proper hygiene, all that is, it, it helps us to be just acceptable in society, right? And it helps us to be accepting of others in society. So it's a good thing. It's not easy for us to live with ourselves when we don't smell good. Sometimes we get used to it, unfortunately, and we don't smell it. But, uh, but it's, it's much easier to live with ourselves when, when we smell good. So smelling good's a good thing. We, we got that established. Uh, at least... I'm trying to establish that. However, and here I'm going to start into the notes. So if you, if you happen to have notes where you're uh, jotting down the answers, uh, the first one is the word improper. And uh, on that page, it's, it's uh, improper application or introduction of other scents, even good or pleasant scents, can degrade or diminish the aroma of Christ in our lives. So I'm going to say that again, and I want you to really, when I wrote this sentence, I really thought through this, and I want you to catch every bit of what I'm saying here. Improper application or introduction of other scents, even good or pleasant scents, 
can degrade or diminish the aroma of Christ in our lives and can cover, cover that aroma up. So um, as an illustration, I, I got a couple different kinds of illustrations. The first one I'm going to do is I want to talk about, uh, here I have a couple books in my hands, right? Okay. And so um, uh, one of them is the Bible. The Bible is um, more, much more, than simply words printed on pages, right? I mean, uh, it is that. I see that, you know, I've got words on the pages here, and we know it's a book, and it is printed. But the Bible is different from any other book in the world uh, because it is actually God's revealed word to us. It's authoritative. It is without error. It is, it, there's no other book that is even remotely in the category of the Bible, right? Agreed? Okay, so, so the Bible is something that is a, um, it, it, it's just, there's, there's nothing bad about the Bible, okay? Unlike other books. Now, other books, there's many, many really good books out there. There's some pretty bad books, too. I'm, I don't know why I'm doing this. Sorry, uh, Brian. Uh, he always gets me fixed up, but I, I think I messed it up, but... Uh, on my earpiece. Uh, there are some pretty bad books out there. There's some books that really shouldn't be in print, in my opinion. Um, there's some really, really good books out there too, right? Uh, this is one of one that I read a number of years ago that I really like, and it's been, it's really helped me in my Christian walk. Uh, it's by Bill McCartney. Uh, Bill McCartney was a, a coach in football, um, and uh, it's called uh, Sold Out, Becoming Man Enough to make a difference. And it was, it's about his testimony. It's an autobiography. It's about his, his own testimony. He was one of the founders of Promise Keepers back in the 80s and a really uh, fantastic movement. And matter of fact, this has got his picture on the back. Him and his wife are on the, on the back cover of this book. And this is a book I really like. And uh, so I wanted to use these two books as an illustration. Um, so uh, in order to stay on track, I'm going to try to follow my notes here. There are many other books, some very good, like this one. They can share knowledge, provide humor. They can give guidance. They can teach us about the past. They can inspire us. They can spur creativity. They can provide answers to problems and many, many other wonderful things. Agreed? But sometimes books that have great potential to be really good can also cloud, obscure, and even act as a substitute for the best and most important book of all. Now, here's what I mean by that. Uh, many gifted author, authors will write commentaries. Uh, Bill McCartney wrote a, a great autobiography He's talking in no uncertain terms about Jesus Christ in here, and he's spot on as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he's got it nailed. He's, he's, it's evident that his life is an example of uh, a, a great relationship of what God has done in his life and a growth in that, in that relationship. Great books, right? you got commentary. Sometimes even there's interpretations of the Bible sometimes that, that people write that are just tremendously helpful to us, right? Really good things. But... The, the point that I actually want to go after is <clears throat> these books can benefit many people in many ways, but when we pay more attention 
to what the author is saying than we do to what the author is saying, we can find ourselves far afield from where we should be, right? I mean, as good as this book is and as much as it's helped me, there is no comparison between these two whatsoever, right? And so when we look at the Bible, the Holy Bible, and that's great, and we need to be reading that. When we read books like this, that's great also. But if I start to focus on books like this and people because they authored this book and their ideas, rather than keeping my focus centered right here, then I got a problem. And I will find myself nine times out of ten in very short order far from where I really should be when that happens. And so I, I, I wanted to use that as kind of an illustration just to, to, to start off with. Here's what I, the, the, um, the last line that I put about this illustration is, this can lead to half-truths, to heresy, and even to idolization. It is not that the books are necessarily bad. Many aren't. But they can actually distract us from the truth. Okay? So... That being said, I want to go to uh, looking at and examining a couple of uh, um, two examples of this idea of cover-ups. Okay, uh, improper introduction, similar to the example we just talked about, improper introduction of some actions, even good actions or other sins, can in fact distract from or even be detrimental to the aroma of Christ in our lives. Well, what do we mean by that? To, to, as I go through these two illustrations, here's what I want to do. I'd like to, as we work through the examples that I'm going to give you, I'd like to examine three parts of the process, okay? So there's three key parts that we're going to examine in these, in these illustrations. Number one is motivation, um, and uh, for your notes, this I'm hit, coming into some area where we got some more note uh, answers if you're taking notes. Um, number one, motivation. Reasons, motivation is, in, for our purposes, is going to be reasons that we might properly, improperly, excuse me, reasons that we might improperly introduce other scents into our lives, okay? Now, these scents can come into our lives and be proper, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that, can be improperly introduced when we, when we do that, okay? Number two, effects. We're going to talk about um, uh, what does or might occur when we improperly introduce other sins into our lives, okay? And the third thing that we're going to look at in these two couple of examples we're going to discuss is the result. Uh, what consequence can result from our improper introduction of other ins- uh, 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 sins? Okay, so when we do improperly introduce other sins into our lives, what can be the consequence, okay? So the first example that I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, your first reaction is probably going to be, what, what? But uh, I picked it on purpose. It's a, it's a great thing. We're, the first example is prayer. Now, prayer, it's, it should be something we do daily, right? I mean, 
We are, we're instructed, we're taught to pray by Jesus with the Lord's Prayer, right? We're, we're instructed to be always in prayer. We're, I mean, prayer is a super critical part of a Christian's life. So I am not in any way saying, in any way, shape, or form saying that prayer is a bad thing. It is not. It's a wonderful thing. We, it's essential to the Christian life, okay? I want to be real clear about that so you don't think I'm speaking heresy here. But, uh, but uh, it, you know, and I even have in the notes, prayer is biblical. Isaiah 56 says, 56, chapter 56, verse 7 says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples, right? Multiple times throughout Scripture, Jesus instructed us to pray. Prayer is highly encouraged in this house. So is it possible for prayer to detract from the sweet and pure aroma of Christ? Well, my initial thought, if I hadn't been the one uh, who had written this and and, uh, thought through these thoughts here, my initial thought, in uh, response to that question would probably be, you know, I'm not so sure you, that, that that's possible. For prayer to be something that detracts from the sweet aroma of Jesus Christ. But let's, let's walk it through these three points. First of all, motivation. Let's consider the motivation. What if the motivation for prayer is monetary gain? monetary gain. Well, what, what do you mean? How about this? Just send me $20 and I'll personally pray for you. You see what I'm saying? Or <laughs> uh, make it a hundred and I'll send you this prayer cloth with that personal prayer, right? Now, you see what I'm, you, you see where I'm going with that? Okay. Now we're talking about prayer that is improperly introduced into one's life. You're bringing in something in an improper form that can make even a good thing not so good. It can be a cover-up to the real aroma of Jesus Christ in your life. Okay, how about this? What if the motivation for prayer is to boost someone's ego? What if the motivation for prayer is to boost your own ego? In Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, I'm just going to read through this real quick, ESV, um, English Standard Version. He also told us this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
So I ask you again, what if the motivation for prayer is to boost your own ego? Well, there's a perfect example of that in my book. Okay, I would say this. I think that clergy and people who, I want to stay on track, I want to say this right. I think that clergy and people who are viewed as mature in the faith are especially vulnerable to this. Um, And I'm talking about myself because I'm clergy, I'm licensed. And so I'm talking about myself here. Uh, I think that we have a a special vulnerability to this kind of improper introduction of a good thing that turns to be out of cover-up of the scent of uh, the aroma of Jesus Christ. Uh, Also, what if the motivation for prayer is to cover up what one considers shortcomings so that they don't think poorly, so that other people don't think poorly of us? People do that, right? Uh, You know, none of us are perfect, correct? We got that, right? Okay. And sometimes, especially leaders... But not just leaders. This this one hits kind of a lot of people. People want to, you know, you've been in church a while, you've been a Christian a while, you want to, you want to, you kind of, you know people in church. Well, you don't, we know we all have shortcomings, right? But despite that, sometimes we kind of want to kind of hide those things or kind of cover them up or kind of... not let them be seen by other people. Well, nobody really wants to put their shortcomings out in front of other people, right? I mean, that's, you know, you're kind of weird if you do, right? But still, sometimes we use, we introduce things that can be good things in order to cover our own shortcomings. So, uh, all right, we're talking about prayer as an example. We talked about motivation. Let's go to the effects. Consider the effects of an improper introduction of prayer into one's life. Prayer with these motivations indulge our own desires. It's one of the effects. They indulge our own desires. And that's not really what we want to do. We want we don't want to we we don't want to just go after indulging our own desires, right? As Christians, that's not the goal, right? Okay, here's another effect, a potential effect. Prayer with these kinds of motivations are likely to be offensive to others, right? When, when I read that about the, the Pharisee praying, the scripture that, that relates that, that's offensive to me. I think, what a jerk, you know, I mean, it's a, and of course, it's always easier to see in somebody else's life than it is in my life, right? But sometimes we do this kind of stuff, right? And, and one of the effects can be that it can be very offensive to other people. Here's another effect. <clears throat> Prayer with these motivations can create an appearance that we feel we have to maintain. So sometimes when we, when we are praying for, with, with a motivation, some of the motivations we discussed, we kind of create this, this thing that we kind of have to keep going. Even We feel like we kind of have to keep going. Even, even we, don't, we don't really feel it. You know what I mean? So, so maybe the prayer gets maybe a little less genuine, maybe. And, you know, sometimes we need to tell ourselves, pray, right? I mean, I, I'm with that. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. 
but I'm talking about doing it as a cover for your own maybe failure so that other people or, or lack or inadequacy or whatever. You know, the funny thing is <laughs> we all lack heavily. We don't want to be like us. I mean, I like Brian, but I'm not patterning my life after him. He's a great guy. He's got good qualities, some of which I want to emulate. But I am not after becoming just like Brian. I'm after becoming just like Christ to the very best of my ability. Because as nice of a guy as Brian is, and he's twice as nice at least as I am, but as nice as he is, he's not the guy that I want to pattern my life after, and he's not the guy I want to smell like dual mania. I want the scent. I want the aroma of Jesus Christ to be smelled when people are around me. That's what I want. Sorry, Brian. (laughs) Too tempting. So we talked about prayer. And in this first example, we talked about prayer. We, We considered the motivation. We've considered some of the effects. Let's consider the results. What are some of the results of improperly introducing prayer, as an example, into our lives? One of the results can be that we have prioritized our own desires. We have successfully prioritized what we want, and that is not dying to self, right? How about this? Others are turned off to Christianity, How many people have been turned off to Christianity because of what they see in some Christians? And, you know, here's the thing. If you're a Christian, you got some great smelling aroma of Jesus Christ in your life. But it might be hard to identify sometimes. Because when Christ comes into your heart, he makes you a new creature, right? He's dwelling in you. There's good stuff in there. But sometimes we just can't see it. We can't get there because the cover-ups that happen in our lives, right? And sometimes it really turns people off to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is not really a position I want to be in. I don't want to be answering to God as to why I had a lot of really bad odors that turned people off in my life Uh, and they didn't respond to the gospel. You know what I'm saying? And that's not my fault if they don't respond, but that's the point I think is still made there. Okay? So, uh, thirdly, one of the potential results, if we're not honest, uh, is that we, we end up not being honest with ourselves, with others, and most importantly, with God. And if you're not honest with God, he's not going to work with when you're not even being honest with him. You know, he's just not going to work with that. So we've looked at prayer, the motivation, the effects, and the results, or some of them, of the topic of the improper introduction of prayer into our lives. And so that being said... uh, before you throw me out, we'll go to example two. And that's uh, what I have is chasing after the latest, greatest, and coolest things. 
Let me ask you a question, a couple questions. Number one, how important is it to you to be on the front row of the church when the super popular speaker is speaking? Well, I like to be on the front row to hear because I got hearing problems. I usually sit in the back row, but, uh, but I do sometimes sit in the front row. And I like to be in the front row for, for purposes of really being able to hear, right? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the guy from XYZ Megachurch is here, and he's written 20 books, and I'm going to be on the front row because I want to rub elbows with him, and I'm going to be the first one to ask him questions, and I'm going to monopolize all of his time that I possibly can because it might maybe rub off on me, you know, but but he's cool, and I want to be in that cool, right? Okay, didn't like that one. How about this one? How badly do you want to talk to or be seen with? I don't know. I did that. Are you chomping at the bit to be a part of the worship team? When you view the talent of that team as mediocre or average, if Hillsong comes to MCA, which I I don't see that happening anytime soon, but if they did, if Hillsong came to MCA, I bet this place would pack out. The walls, the ceilings, I mean, you'd be everywhere. You wouldn't be able to move in this place, right? It's a small place for a, a, for a group like that, right? If Hillsong comes, and then if they ask you to be on the worship team, whoo! If you're a worship team kind of person, who's going to say no to that? Joel, if they ask you to play bass, right? If Hillsong asks you to play bass, <laughs> you betcha. Right? I mean, come on. Yeah, Hillsong. Those guys are famous. Might get to go to Australia or something. Might even be able to talk like them for a sentence or two. My son does a good job of that. Hey, uh, Sunday morning, would you, would you be interested in being on the worship team? Um, it's just us. Okay, motivation. You see what I'm saying? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't sing, so this one isn't on my toes, you know. I, so I'm not stepping in my own personal toes on this particular example. And I point it out because it's one of the only ones I'm not stepping my, on my own toes. But uh, yeah, right? Okay, enough. Okay, I am going to get thrown out. <clears throat> you know what I got thrown out of, side note, for MCS school for? <laughs> Bet you'll never guess. I threw an orange at the wall, and it splattered up against the wall. I was a student, a high school student here at MCS, and I threw an orange at the wall, and it splattered all over the wall. <laughs> and, and his dad, uh, who at that time in my life was one of the very few adults that I had respect for, because I didn't respect most adults at 15 years old, but I did respect Dwayne. Dwayne Fick, I have a ton of respect for him, and I always have, because he was very real. He said, out. And it wasn't the orange, and it wasn't the fact that I didn't clean it up. It was the fact that enough was enough, right? Okay? Um, so, I, I, how did I get there? Okay. <clears throat> oh, throwing things at me, yes. Okay, yeah. I guess I deserve some of that back is where I was kind of going. Sorry, bunny trail. Pew, gotcha. All right. Example, no, where are we? 
prioritize. Let's see. We've talked about, yeah, considering the results. I think we're done with prayer for that. Let's go into chasing after the latest and greatest cool things. Oh, that's where we are, yeah. Um, Let's consider the motivation of chasing after the latest and greatest and coolest things. The motivation for doing so, for introducing, improperly introducing things, can be, it can be motivated in this example by idolization of people. And we, I, I think if you've ever read the Old Testament or even a little part of it or heard a message or uh, grew up in church or maybe just been around a little while, you probably heard that uh, idols aren't good in our lives, Right? It's not something we want to do is be idolizing things because God kind of told the children of Israel a lot of times he doesn't really like that, you know? So why would we go there? You know what I'm saying? We know it's not a good thing to idolize other people, but that can be part of the motivation for chasing after the latest and greatest and coolest things. Another potential motivation could be self-exaltation. I got to be in the band when Hillsong was here. That's a great story. You can tell that one a lot of times. What are you doing when you're telling that a lot of times? Well, um, the word humility doesn't come first to mind, right? Okay, enough. Um, How about this? Another potential motivation. It can be motivated by an attempt to fill an emptiness or a void. It can. You know, a lot of people who kind of go after all the cool stuff and really that's really important to them and it's part of their, their who they are, they're really trying to fill some emptiness and some voids inside. And we, we know what fills those, right? It's, it's not Hillsong or, or our speaker. It's Jesus Christ. I mean, he's the only thing. And really, it's very, very, very foolish and naive on our part to pursue that kind of a thing when we, re- we understand that there is nothing or any, no one who can remotely touch the filling of your voids in your life like Jesus Christ, you know? So, okay, we've talked a little bit now about motivation in this example. Let's talk about some of the effects So for chasing after the latest and greatest and coolest things, let's look at what are some of the possible effects. Well, one effect could be that it contributes to others' pride. It contributes to others' pride. You know, Satan got thrown out of heaven with a third of the angels who contributed to his pride. I'm not looking to be in that category right? Pride is not something we're looking to set up in our lives as we want to do this. It's not a good idea. It kind of turns out bad every time. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? So when we, when, when our, uh, one of the effects of this can be, it contributes to others' pride. It's probably not a place we want to be. How about this? Another potential effect. It doesn't allow for true discipleship or deep personal relationships. That can be an effect. 
of chasing after the latest, the greatest, and coolest thing. One more of these effects, and that would be it can keep your focus on people or performance. And again, it's not where we want our focus to be. Okay, so we've looked at some of the... Sorry, page two and page three here. Three is the last one. We're halfway there. Or no, we're more than halfway. We're on page three. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Chasing after the latest and greatest, coolest things. We've talked a little bit about motivation, a little bit about the effects. And let's consider the results. Some of the results, potential results, of improperly chasing after the latest and greatest thing, which kind of might be most of the time when you do that. But some of the results could be, number one, a shallowness in your walk with God. You know, people who go after the whatever's the hot topic, or they go to this church because, you know, it's got something going on that people like or whatever. They, they, they follow after, they kind of flitter around. I'm not t- it's not always wrong to change a church. I'm not saying that in any means. We have a large uh, military presence here. Uh, we love that. We love our military people. And they have to move every couple of years a lot of times because the military makes a move. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, right? So they're not chasing after necessarily by moving. But people who just really go after the latest and greatest, they do tend, in my estimation from what I've observed, there tends to be a shallowness as far as the mater- spiritual maturity goes. They're not usually real deep. Because that's kind of chasing the wrong thing. And if you're chasing the wrong thing, you're not going to get very deep in maturity in Christ, right? Okay, so that's one potential result. How about this? Self-worth that is viewed by popularity rather than being set by God's love for you. Your sense of self-worth. You know what? Honestly, I don't have anything against Hillsong. I just happen to be using them as an example. They're not my favorite. They're not my least favorite. I love them. They're great. I I love to sing to their music, whatever. But here's the deal. There are some ultra-talented people at Hillsong. I mean, really, some of the most talented people in the world in that genre of music are at Hillsong. That's why they're there, right? That's good. God gave them those talents. I want to celebrate those talents. I think it's wonderful. I'm not saying in any way they're bad. However, when I assess my own self-worth by my talents, I'm in trouble. Because compared to God's love for me, which is absolutely unconditional and deeper than I can even fathom and stronger than I'll ever know, there's no comparison. Why assess your own self-worth based on your talents? You're going to be disappointed because you're not God. And none of us are, and none of us are going to even remotely come, the best of the best of the best aren't going to remotely come close to measuring up to valuing ourselves based on God's value that he has placed on us, 
and his love that he has placed on us. That's what we need to understand is we have tremendous value because God loves us. Not because we're so great. God created us with talents and abilities, but that's not what makes us great. They, they might be good, and we want to use them, but that's not what does it for us. <clears throat> Another result, the last one, it can lead to emptiness instead of fulfillment. So when we improperly introduce other scents and aromas into our life, we can end up empty instead of fulfilled, right? In the end, actions like these and many others that are rooted in inappropriate motivation can produce sense that confuse, sense that cover up, sense that block, even sense that block the pure aroma of Christ from being apparent in our lives. That's what, that's what this all boils down to. When we have cover-ups, those cover-ups that might be good things in and of themselves can overwhelm, confuse, and block the beautiful, pure, sweet aroma of Jesus Christ in our lives to where other peoples can't even detect it. We trade the life-giving freshness that is the aroma of Christ for a cheap and deceptive scent sometimes. Lord God, I just ask that today in our hearts that, God, you would help us to understand the value of the aroma of Christ. Whether we've been a Christian for a day, a week, a month, 20 years, 50 years, the depth of value of carrying the aroma of Christ in our lives cannot possibly be overstated. And sometimes we even get used to things and we don't tend to value them as much because they are common. But God, the aroma of Jesus Christ is really not common. Even if we have it every day of our lives, it's uncommon. It's highly unusual. And it's only found in Christ living in us. God, I ask that you would help us to examine our own hearts on this topic. I ask that you would help us to take an honest look at what you want us to see in our own lives. In Jesus' name. As we move into a time of response to what the Lord is saying to each of us, let's ask God to help us be willing to accept the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to give us a determination to carry the aroma of Christ in our lives. I'd like to invite you to respond tonight, or this morning, excuse me, as the band goes into a worship session. Uh, I'd like to invite you to respond to the message.
that might be several ways. We've got the Stations of the Cross around the building here. We have sticky notes there at the stations with pins.